I'm glad you chose that scripture, Deacon, because we shouldn't glory in men, and we're living in a time that the the sermon is about, uh, well, the teaching is about making of a graven image. It comes from Isaiah, the 40th channel, 40th chapter, the 18th through the 20th verse. And it says, To whom will you liken God? Uh, what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melted a graven image, and the goldsmith spread it over with gold and cast it silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he had no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to pe- prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Uh, the Amplified, uh, if you read the Amplified in that same one, it says, To whom then will you liken God? Or with what likeness will you compare him? As for the as for the cast image, uh, which is an idol, a metal worker cast it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and, and a silversmith cast it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for such an offering to give to his God chooses a tree that will not rot. Um, he seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to carve and set up an idol that will not totter. Do you who worship idols not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? The omnipotence of God and the stupidity of bowing down to idols. Uh, the living Bible has such has the same thing, basically. It just says to the man that's too poor to buy an expensive God like that will carve from a tree. and says, are you so ignorant? Are you so deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world begun. So uh, there's all forms of various modern idolatry have one thing at their core, and that is self. And modern idolatry nowadays differing from biblical times. Most of the time it's about self. Self is the greatest idol that we worship now. Uh, thinking about with the iPhones and everything, they're making little sticks and things to put on it. The most popular thing is the selfies. Everybody's taking a selfie or whatever because people worship themselves. They go to the beauty shops and things and spend up all their money to dress up. It's, I'm not calling them a Jezebel because there's nothing wrong with moderate adorning of the self. But when Peter talks about what plating gold or extra, uh, drawing uh, attention to yourself or whatever in, a, uh, in an excessive way, and we graph tattoos and images onto ourselves now. You know, God talks about making markings and things into our body or whatever, but we're into a whole lot of graven images or whatever. It's not that we're bowing down to idols as, as they did back in those times. But all of the images, and most images, bring forth idolatry. Uh, what is a graven, graven image? What is a graven image? The phrase graven image comes from King James Version and is found in Exodus 20 and 4 in the second of the Ten Commandments. Um, Thou shalt have no graven image of make of a graven image. The Hebrew word translated graven image means literally an idol, an idol. A graven image is an image carved out of stone, wood, metal. It could be a statue of a person, an animal, or a relief carving in a wall or a pole. Uh, it is differentiated from a molding image, which is melted uh, metal poured into a cast. Remember about the great god Diana at the, of the Ephesians, and they were metallurgists that would do it in metal thing. But you can make images and have crucifixes and crosses and rosary beads and all of these other trinkets to help facilitate the worship of God. But we know that God is invisible and there's no, nothing, you can't comprehend God. And that's what I was 
trying to tell us in the earlier verses about the size of the magnitude of God. There's nothing to compare him to. As his word says, we can't compare God. We can't see God. So what can we liken God unto? God kind of tells us as though he was a man. But we know God the Father is different than Jesus Christ, which is a man. Jesus was made a man. It was the only begotten of the Father. So the Son was given. So as a man, he walked the earth. But he said he had the image of the Father. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. That kind of tells us something about the attributes and how would we take God to be. And you remember I was talking about concepts and things like that. I didn't mean it literally that God was... but taking from the point where I'm trying to explain it to a modern day people of the Star Wars generation, the ones that's talking about the power, the force or whatever. It's like when Paul was talking to the people on Mars Hills that was worshiping the unknown God. He said, I declare unto you the unknown God, that force that you're talking about, the power or whatever, that is God. It, that's the name of it. It's God. And it's God, the Godhead, the Elohim, the family of God. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy, Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Uh, you notice that a lot of people used to have the Asherah pole. Or they carved wooden bales or covered in golden leaves and made different Egyptian hieroglyphics in their tombs and things. We know at one time they started, man has a built-in capacity to him or whatever, that he seeks out something to worship. And if you're not worshiping, worshiping the true and living God, your worship is in vain, and it's an idol that you serve. That's why you have to get to know the true and the living God. That's why the one of the kings that came to power we was talking about Hezekiah, that destroyed the golden cat, I mean that destroyed the brazen serpent, and call it Nehushtan, because... People were worshiping it. God had only given it for a time. God had given it to, for a time to stand for something at that time or whatever. He didn't give it to us to worship that. That's why probably we couldn't find the Ark of the Covenant, uh, Noah's Ark, uh, that he wouldn't allow people to know where Moses was buried because people would be doing like the Muslims and certain people that go to the Holy holy land and all that that's it's a historical presence over there it's nothing to worship he's not in that tomb all those was things that he used at that time it would be the same as finding the cross you wouldn't worship the cross and during easter time in different times and most catholics that carry around the crosses and the crucifixes and things to bring into a worship of god it's almost similar to Aaron in the golden calf worship. The progression of idolatry in a pagan religion generally starts with the acknowledgement of a power that controls natural forces. People looking at powers that control natural forces, and that's how they get off into, you know, the demons and idols, because behind every idol there's a demon. And remember, uh, Saul went to the witch at Endor. You have a lot of people that's into astrology, the stars, the moon, and all of these things are created. And God said that we shouldn't bow down and worship them, those. But the presence of the force is then thought to indwell in an object, like a stone or a place or like a mountain or whatever. In olden times, people would worship at the different mountain sites or whatever. That's how the high places come about or whatever. You see steeples and people putting the steeples and things on building or whatever to help facilitate their worship that God dwells in that place. And during Jesus' time, they were looking at the temple or whatever. And Jesus said, because they worshiped the temple in the place of worship, he said that not a stone would be left upon a stone because we shouldn't make the church our, you know, the church is a place of worship, but you can worship without the church there itself. So 
you shouldn't worship a building. People used to go off on the Crystal Cathedral and talk about that Crystal Cathedral. It was in Florida, California, wherever it was, with Robert Shuler uh, um, and all of these people build magnificent buildings and everything, but that doesn't mean God is in there. God said he's ever, he's present wherever two are gathered together to worship or gathered together in his name. He's the God in the midst of them. So having an object, I remember they had to cut this traffic out off down here at in Broadmoor right off Airline Highway because the people were parking in front of their neighbors and all along that street talking about the statue that was bleeding or crying or doing something or whatever. But people have always sought out things to worship or make images of them, you know, and, and that's the way we do it now. We buy tennis and things or name brand things or we see everybody with expensive churches or whatever. I'm not saying that that's idolatry, but it's a form of worshiping that individual. You know, we worship movie stars and different politicians or whatever and preacher. We have preacher worship, you know, and they had that back during the time of Paul. And Paul said that that the Corinthian church was carnal because they had divisions similar to what you just read in that opening story. Um, scripture that you read about glorifying man or whatever, we shouldn't worship any man. That's why Jesus wouldn't receive worship or the apostles wouldn't receive worship. There's no man that you should worship. Once you do that, you have worship an idol. You even tell your spouse, you know, you worship the ground they walk on, that that's idolatry. Once you start putting your kids up, Anything that you put before God or you love more than God, it becomes an idol to us. The next step is altering a naturally occurring object like a standing stone or deliberately planting a tree or carved astral pole and asking the force to indwell that object. We remember Micah made a god of the silver that he had stole from his mother. Or whatever, but we make all things our God or whatever. It's like some people get a vehicle and that they so proud of that vehicle they wash it right after every rain and they keep all this and they'll kill you about that vehicle or touching that vehicle or that house or whatever it is that they love more than God and they put it in a place of God. Graven images can be either of the last two things I was telling you about. The idolatrous culture has had time to contemplate the personality of the God. They then make corresponding physical images, a statue that looks like a woman or a relief carving that looks like an animal. So that's throughout the time we've seen that in different cultures in Africa, Australia, Asia, Wherever, whatever continent may it may be here, United States or whatever, with Indians and different civilizations, Aztecs and things had the totem pole and all types of things that they were, were graven images or things that they worship at. Uh, graven images, whether an idol or crystal or charm or attempts, are attempts to limit the power of God and reduce it to a small package that we can control. As with any kind of worship, the object of adoration inevitably controls us. It's We're not controlling it. That's why he says it's dumb or ignorant or stupid for people to make a God and then take the rest of it and cook fire with it or whatever. But now that's something, an idol that you've made. It can't talk or move or whatever. You have to nail it down or... You have to establish a pedestal to put it up on or whatever. There's a lot of work into making idols. Uh, the spiritual progression of idolatry is, is similar to that. It's the same. People start with wanting something. Often children, a prosperity, a good crops. That's where the fertility gods came in. People praying uh, for a good crop, a good harvest. That's where... Uh, the word of faith has prospered under that because they want prosperity and they look at 
tithes as a means to prosperity and faith. And it's not the faith that was the saints to contend for, but he said that that the saint, but it's a different faith. That word of faith that they're talking about, it, it becomes an idol within itself. It becomes a digression away from God's word. Uh, some women, uh, Rachel back in the day, says, she says, die, I'll die or give me sons or give me children or whatever to her husband Jacob. But inevitably, uh, ironically, she died in childbirth bringing Benjamin into the world. Sometimes we be careful what we ask for, what's making the gods that we serve. In the book of Ephesians 5 and 5, Ephesians 5 and 5 says, For this ye know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, uh, no covetous man who is an idolater. And usually that's what idolatry has, one of the forces of behind it breaking another one of the commandments. Idolatry involves covetousness, a coveting something. Had no idolater uh, had any inheritance in the kingdom of God. For be sure, the amplified version reads, for be sure of this, no <coughs> immoral, impure, or greedy person, for that is in effect an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, for such a person places a higher value on something other than God. And that's why, you know, Food, when it's used in excess or whatever, gluttony becomes a sin or whatever, and certain things that we love or that we're given to, it's a sensual pleasure. And that's what I say. We self-seeking. Sometimes we sacrifice at the altar of self-pleasure and pleasuring self. That means uh, it's, you're not putting self to death. The flesh is controlling you. We have to have that woman or we have to have that man. We, we have to have that car. We, it's something that we have to have, and that's what I say, that's covetousness, that you'll do anything to get this, that you'll do anything to, to, to possess or have a possession of this. Uh, the living version reads, you can be sure of this, the kingdom of Christ and of God will never belong to anyone who is impure or greedy. For a greedy person is really an idol worshiper. He loves and worships the good things of this life more than God. So a lot of people, they work day in and day out or whatever. A lot of parents may be guilty of this, working to access in time to accumulate money and prosperity. That's why I say prosperity wrongly taught by the word of faith people or something. It outlines prosperity over everything in life. And and while Paul was saying some people say godliness is gain or whatever. But maybe a few less hours at the office and you have more time to balance with your family and children. You know, that's the key to having a family, having time to talk with them and them enjoy a family life a home where the house is not just a house but it's a home in which you have time you know that's what a lot of children have a lack of love they pushed off into a nursery of someone tending to them while the husband and wife continually work to get what things possessions and that's why God says you can't serve God in mammon and it's driven by preachers, and that, that's what I say. It's driven by preachers and things that keep you in a competitive state wanting more. You want a nicer car. You want more money. You want more, more, more. That's why I say it's a greedy person, a person that attempts to have more. You Money, you know, some of the richest people that are, billionaires and things so money now is the motivating or driving factor it's no longer individuals are no longer individuals they have missed the finer things in life or what life is about or the purpose of life that becomes their God that's what they're serving and that's why God was telling 
the young man, the rich young ruler, about giving away his possessions of the man that was billing for bigger barns and not looking at the condition of his soul. So we don't have to be very wealthy people to crave at and make idols striving after money, after things, the hunt of the journey for those things more than accomplishing of seeking after God. Godliness with contentment, contentment with, with what you have, being content as such you have is, is a one form of godliness, learning that that's where your happiness or your submission is, that you please in God and that you possess things and things don't possess you. Sometimes we possess, things possess us instead of we possessing things. The mortification of the body, and that's what I say a lot of preachers or churches are not focusing on the gospel. They're not preaching repentance and a death to self or following after word, the world and all of the things of the world, especially in this technological age that we live in where the idols are the things we seek after, the computers and all of the electronics. They are dated in six months to a year. There is something new with the cars and all of the things. Now, it's the home. People used to work to buy a home or have a home, but now they're working for the next home. They're working for more. And when those little trinkets and things that we strive for, we can't find that iPad, that expensive iPhone watch or whatever it is because it was just a trinket. It was an idol that doesn't satisfy we're so covetous for more and more, and we never give away anything or liberally, or liberally spread or share the wealth to now what's making a, a, a really a high-price enterprise is storage sheds. They build these storage houses and things where you store your boats, you store all of the trinkets and things that your house is not big enough for. You have a room designated as a room for just your clothes, your closets for so many different clothes and your shoes and everything. And television facilitates this because images, those are graven images and nothing satisfies less than an image. That's why God says not to bake graven images because they're not satisfying. Once that image possesses you, there is no satiation in you. You can't be satiated, satiated with anything. Nothing's going to satisfy you. The next thing you want is a 54 screen, inch screen television. But next you want one to the size of the room. You get so big of televisions and so much that there's no ending within itself because it's God is not in that. And that's the love of the world or the things of the world. Colossians 3.5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, and that's what I was talking about a while ago, inordinate affections. Caring or over care uh, of certain things uh, uh, in a certain way, which is, it says, uh, ordinate affections, evil concubines, and covetousness, which is idolatry here. And again, Paul calls it idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God come upon the children of disobedience. Let me uncomplicate that just a little bit and give it to you in the amplified version. I'm going to get spoiled with this. And I probably won't print out papers for a long time the way this thing's going here. But it says, so, so to put to death, in other words, deprive of power, the evil longings in your earthly body. Sometimes you have to just sacrifice and do without something just to do it out. That's why it's good to fast sometimes. Just do without food a day or two for the sake of growing spiritually. For the sake of, of as Jesus, they said, Jesus' disciples didn't fast often. The John and his disciples fasted often. What fasting does is strengthens the spirit. You're starving 
that man that's want that burger and he wants that chicken, he wants that watermelon, he wants that uh, cheesecake, he, he wants the crawfish, he wants everything. Stop giving it so much and deprive self. In other words, put those cravings to death, that earthly body. The book of Proverbs says the eye is not satisfied with seeing. You know, we could sit there and watch movie after movie on television, whether it's re- reruns or whatever it is. It's so much that the eye can see, but it's never satisfied with that seeing. So our time has been wasted away with 10, 12, 14 hours of watching television each day. That's why a lot of the parents now start limiting their children's screen time. There's a device on this iPad that says screen time, whereas you can set it to go off at a certain time where they can't be on it to all of those hours or whatever because that's why we have obesity and diabetes and everything running rapid nowadays because the children don't get any outside time, any time functioning with one another, the socializing with one another. Everything is secondary and it caters to self and a lot of people would move out of one spot if somebody could feed them and do all that. Proverbs says the lazy man is too hungry to clean what he catches or what he gets in honey. We won't think people to do everything for us. We 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 become Dependent of the flesh has become dependent on someone serving it. But Jesus says he came to minister, not to be to minister, minister unto. So are we ministering to one another? Are we busy going about doing good works or have the world brought us into their mode, into their Babylon, into their idolatry? Babylon was very idolatrous. And that's where Babylon protrudes into your life and into your mind. First John says all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh. So it's through some lust or craving that you serve the God of idolatry or covetousness. I just got to have that. I just got to have this. I just It's something that you just have to have. The pride of life through pride and arrogance through prestige, all of these things brings about idolatry. The demon, there's a demon behind that idolatry. The, the demon that's driving that, it's uncleanliness. It may be unclean demon, it might be a, a, a sexual immorality or something that lies in it that's called that's going to cause spiritual fornication or spiritual adultery. It's going to manifest itself in the physical. And then he says, the lust of the eye. So that's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, of the pride of life. Those are the three portals of the entry point in which the world comes into us, or the world controls us. And, and those three, if we would put up a guard against us. It continues to say, so put to death and deprive of the power of the evil longings of your earthly body with this sensual, self-centered instincts. And I tell you, that's the God, that's the idol we serve itself. It's all about me. It's about self. It's the self-centered instincts. Immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of adultery because it replaces your devotion to God. You can't watch television all day. You can't do all these other things and still be devoted to God. You're paying more time on the iPad in front of the television with your car or on your home or on your job. Your job could become an idol. We don't want the, the, the monastery to become an idol. You can spend too much time at the church. You need to get out and rub arms or rub shoulders with the people or work for God or be doing something for God. We, we have to learn to have a balance in our life. That's why people talk about the monks that go off into a, a monastery or whatever. It's not good to be alone. God told Moses not to come before him all the time. God had created us for a purpose and it's not good for man to be alone. 
Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In other words, those who fail to listen and who routinely, obstinately disregard God's precepts. And I tell you, that's what the strongest thing is, his statutes, judgment, and his precepts. The precept is a little bit more vast than the specifics are. It's a precept that covers that. So the Ten Commandments has within it precepts or premises that's so vast, but you wouldn't have to do like the legislature or whatever and put so many laws upon the books or whatever. It's contained within those Ten Commandments to rule the world, to rule earth. Those statutes go further in regards to what God wants of man. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They made the law burdensome. They made the Sabbath burdensome. They became legalistic with it because of their lines or whatever. I guess you want to read the living version since I've read those. It says, Away then with sinful earthly things. Dead and evil desires lurking within you. Having nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. There are some things that we desire, we shouldn't desire, we shouldn't want. That's what happens with pornography. That's what happens with advertising on television or whatever. It's always some woman or some man or something selling a product to create a sensual, a a desire to be popular or wanted to achieve a certain look or have a certain image or likeness. That's why the strongest demon is the televisions and the computers because it creates images in our mind. And that's that appeals to the flesh. That's what appeals to the flesh. Whereas faith and imagination is much stronger. We don't have books. A lot of people don't use books anymore. But books would open up your mind and your thoughts and your pattern. That's why the word of God is so strong or whatever. Because it causes the mind to pull and it widens the horizon but now this generation and that's why a lot of preachers are preaching that this is the generation that that probably ends it it ends here we we're looking for a time of the end because man can't rationalize anymore he can't reason it's a stupid generation as you say it's in darkness they dwell darkness and they love darkness more than they do light we can look at our political and religious scene that we're not for from end times. It says, for shameful desires, don't worship the good things of life, for that is idolatry. God's terrible anger is upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to cast off and throw away all these rotten garments of Anger, hatred, cursing, and dirty language. Pull off the old man. You have to pull off all of these things, all of these earthly things, and put on Christ. They observe the circumstances which some acknowledge are God-ordained and others are thinking independent that lead to these things and begin to ascribe the causal forces of human characteristics thus creating God. We're creating God in our own image. Now this politician or this person or whatever, we're giving him those attributes or whatever. You, you didn't heard of some people saying, well, this guy's awesome. This, he, she's something else. Nothing's awesome but God. Individuals can't be awesome. That word is only attributable to God. No one is awesome. He may be a talented or something, but he's not awesome. God is awesome. That, that's a description that goes above and beyond. They were talking about Michael Jordan for a while and Magic Johnson and all this, but now it's Seth Curry, I guess it is, doing the game at the end of that NBA championship or whatever. They was doing all the celebrating or whatever. And they were saying his legacy was established there, and he was getting on the phone call. Well, he was on the cell phone at that time. That was former President Obama calling him to congratulate him at that time. Uh, But see, 
we 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 going past the things of life to where now men withdraw within themselves in their home or whatever and say, I'm in my man cave. How childish is that of you? How childish is that of you? That's a, a forbidden zone, and that's where we hide away from the family or whatever. That's where we hide away. Nobody's allowed in there. That's sacred. You can't nobody. You know, we have problems in life once we have these things going on. Places are set aside to commune with these false gods. You can't. The children are not valuable enough to go in there with that widescreen television and that's where the Super Bowl... But we're bringing these gods up into the church and everything. That Super Bowl or that championship and all of these things along with entertainment. Oh, man, this guy's a movie star. Or this is some famous gospel singer or whatever. I'm sure what it does, more or less, it broadens the horizon. It broadens the way. When you see stadiums filled with these people and all kinds of things, but... If you research those people, they are some of the most sexual, promiscuous people they are. Because all of that is hireling. It's hireling. That's what we've done to religion. That's the fornic- adultery or fornication with the world. That's why it says you can't serve God in mammal because years ago it was no such thing, a hired single. The churches had choirs so somebody would just stand up and sing or whatever. Brother Jackson was saying the other day that I need to get that song recorded and give him some words and things to it so when I was singer, that singing is not there that he could maybe lead or, or sing. God gifts people, you know, to sing that you could stand up and sing. Now, well, when we used to have church, when Bible Way first started or whatever, certain people were singing or whatever, and now the family that helped divide that church, they didn't want Sister Smith leading in song or standing up singing from her heart or whatever. Uh, and they wanted their little group. They're talking about the choir director and all this to sing. I was at Evergreen over on uh, 39th Street, the church I was baptized in some 60 years ago. And they were saying they didn't want the choir to be in there when the people come. They wanted everybody to be in there sitting down or whatever and stand up so the choir could march in. They draw attention to themselves. There's the music ministry. There's the bus ministry. Everybody has a name or whatever. No longer, there's no preachers or the pastor or something. It's doctor. And they went away from doctor and saying bishop and apostle, you know, and all of these different names and things because everybody wants attention. Everybody is proudful. They are somebody. They want the focus on them. If we was to go to some of these gospel concerts or these big old music events or whatever, we'd see they would say, well, we're not singing for God or whatever for this or that. Then you're going to have to pay us certain $100,000 or these many thousands of dollars to go and do this. Preachers, they don't want to come and preach. Well, you have to pay us we, the field is Coliseum. We know you're making money off and we have to make money. But they're not doing it. You remember Paul used to work and preach or whatever he said because I know God had designed it to those that preach. You don't muzzle that ox that thread it, off to, thread it out the corn. But because of the way the Corinthian church was in carnal, Paul says, I don't want to take anything from any of y'all. I don't want you to give me anything. There were only two churches that contributed that Paul allowed to contribute to his ministry. But now, the singing groups and Christian music is some of the highest music you can have. And that's why so so many of the churches and sizes, they're paid ministers, they're paid singers. Everybody's hiring. They're paid a certain amount. You have to negotiate that pastor's salary the same way you do some CEO or whatever. And if he's not bringing in X number of converts a year or whatever, we'll get somebody else that can get souls saved. That We know the only way souls are saved are through the Spirit saves as such should be saved. We can't say, well, we're going to have a, a meeting. I hear a tent meeting and people go be healed. And these. No, we want God at our command. You know, you see the preachers on television, heal now and Heal and all of these things and so it's become commercial. Okay. 
For convenience sake, smaller items though to hold the power of the communication lines of God are brought into homes that Rachel stole Jacob's house, I mean Laban's household gods or whatever. People have little trinkets and things or whatever and you some Catholics or some people or whatever they have certain things that uh, sort of that's their gods or whatever but they're graven images or whatever they don't call them that or whatever but they pray to the and some of the Colossians goes into praying the saints and angels and different things before long the people are ensnared by the compulsion to give homage to a thing of their own definition instead of the God of the universe, because God of the universe is, is invisible. Matthew 6.24 is the one I was telling you about. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. And the Amplified states that as no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, uh, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mamma, money, or possessions, fame, status, whatever is valued more than the Lord. And a lot of people say, I don't value that more than the Lord. Well, I can tell by your works and actions, or the, your character, whether you do or not. Nobody's going to say they do. They all will say they love the Lord more than anything and above everything. Uh, as we go on here, graven images of Exodus 32, 1 to 5. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make gods which shall go before us. For as this, for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened or become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off all the golden earrings and which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thine gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamations and said, Tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. That's a lack of faith. That's a lack of trusting God. They said, We don't know what happened to this Moses. We can't see him. Now, Moses was only going about 40 days. They had grown weary. They had thrown God under the bus there. Make us gods that we can see the go before us. We want to see God in a tangible manner. Jesus Christ came in a tangible manner and they rejected him. The world didn't receive him because they didn't understand God. And it says it's by faith. Hearing, you're saved by preaching. Hearing the word of God. Faith coming by hearing. It's not by image. It's, it's not by singing and all of this other stuff. It's by the word preached. You're saved by grace through faith. As this episode began, the people were not really asking for a change of God, but rather a new leader. Because Moses didn't went off up the mountain somewhere, and we don't know where he at. We want somebody we can get in contact with at any time. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? Something tangible. And we know that Jesus says he'll never leave us or forsake us. We hear he's with us all of the time. Moses had borne much of the brunt of Israel's discontent, and now he had disappeared. They had raining crazy about water, about food, and all of this complaining and whining or whatever. Now they think he gone. They become impatient. They wanted to entrust their leadership to one who could make a God. And if he make that God, we can control, we can see that God, you know, we have a hands-on thing. That's why they, if they could control the preacher, if they could control the church, they won't, you remember what I told you? Self-control. We want a God in our image and likeness. We, that, is that what they said about 
God was their king, and they said, well, no, we want a king like all of the nations around us. And God told them what a king would do. He said, now, I was your king. I was all the leadership you needed, but you want to be like everybody else. That's the things I did when I was young, and you've done, and all of our fathers before us. Oh, mama, dad, you don't understand. I want to be just like everybody else. I want to do this and that, that. You limiting me. You, you, you holding me back. I want to be just like everybody else. That was the problem. I didn't know it all. I didn't know what I was asking for. And now as I look back, young man that my father helped raise the other day had stopped by. He was telling me happy Father's Day, but he was much discontent. He was spiritually hurt. And I said, well, Anton, and he was talking about what my daddy did for me when he was staying with my daddy or whatever. But the way he was talking about his mother and his grandmother and everybody and my daddy and everything, the reason you so lonely, the reason you so broken, hurt and everything, those were your gods. Those who you look to because the God, they should have been showing you in the things I started telling him that my daddy would do or whatever, it cheered him up or whatever when I would start telling him about my daddy's shortcomings, where he fell at. You see, that's what God shows us of all the leaders, Moses, David, Job, all of the people before us, God has showed us they were only just men, mere men that had Horribles and faults like all of the rest of us. And so I was telling him about some of the stuff my daddy did, and he was, it cheered him up. He was talking about about money, and I said, man, that guy ran me crazy one morning about some change from some pears or something. And about different things where he went off on a dollar tree because he was in error. So of all the bad things our parents do, we can't forget that. And we can't forget all of the good things. It's my mother who strengthened me a lot of errors, but I can't make her my God. I can't say that that's what the Catholics has done. They've made a God out of Mary. They idolized Mary and talking about praying to Mary and the Blessed Virgin of Mary, immaculate consumption and all this. But Jesus says that Mary was just like all the rest of the women. God had just chosen her to bear him. But he had brothers and sisters, but let the Catholic Church say Mary was a perpetual virgin for the rest of her life. But he had brothers and sisters. All of these things that religion introduced into us, it changes and it becomes idolatry. You pray to Mary, that's idolatry now. You can't do that now. Impatience, um, but this highly offended the true God and Moses. Moses was upset when he came down and found them doing that. And God, a jealous God, you know, he went off on that. To them, the golden calf was an attempt to redefine God's nature and control him according to their desires. In like manner, the Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestant churches say the ornaments and the icons, the crucifixes, the Madonna statues, and Christmas trees are only to keep God in mind. But aren't aren't they images and graven things to help us or to facilitate the worship of God and the birth of Jesus Christ? And all we realize is that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, that Mary bare Jesus. But we don't celebrate his birthday. We want to go beyond. We want to control him and give him a date of birth. We've taken something out of that. If God wanted that day specified in worship on, he would have gave us a way to home in on that day. It's the same thing with Easter. We can home in on the date of Easter, the time of Easter, and we know it wasn't the resurrection, wasn't on a Sunday, and he didn't die on Friday, but we have made that. We designed it so it's convenient for us. So Friday becomes what? An image. And that's why Paul said, I'm afraid of you. You observe days and times and everything. And he put the Sabbath in there. And he says, Sabbath days and all of these, all of these was types and shadows and 
That's what I was telling someone the other day. Some of the preachers and that guy was telling you about the other day, now they try to home in on the Sabbath and take some of the wind out of the Sabbath. But Saturday, we know God established as, a, as the Sabbath. We don't want to be legalistic about that. But where does God define exactly what to do on the Sabbath? What exactly things as the Pharisees came and defined about doing on the Sabbath? You don't see it. And that's why you see Jesus, he healed on the Sabbath. And, and they said, now, I'm sure if this woman had been in that condition 38 years, she could have waited to that next day or the day before that. But he waited for that Sabbath. The man he sought out with the, that, that had the withered hand. I'm sure he knew where that man was days before then or whatever. But it was all to show you that we don't, the day is not that. God had given that for types and examples. He had set that there. But we don't want to be legalistic about these things. We don't want to be legalistic. We're closed. But anyhow, uh, but this is the same principle involved in Exodus 32. It is not long before people associate the image with God. You know, and Christmas trees shouldn't be tantamount of the same as Christ's birthday. Some people say, well, you don't observe Christmas. You don't believe in the birth of Jesus Christ. That has nothing, one has nothing to do with the other. Let's not start associating these holidays or whatever in different days. Paul said you observe days and times. He say, I'm afraid of you because you don't understand the liberty that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, I was looking to try to find a, a reference point so I could stop here. Idolatry and faithlessness. Idolatry and faithlessness. Exodus 32, 2 and 2 through 10. I was telling you about Moses that went up the mountain. The people want to throw him overboard and get another leader. That was a, the Israelites' lack of faith while Moses was up on Mount Sinai receiving the law to bring down to them. It made them feel insecure not to have Moses or their leader there with it. Uh, Moses was gone what, less than 40 days and they fashioned a golden uh, molded gold to substitute for the invisible creator so that we don't want to be without our God that we can see it. You know, sometimes sometimes you have to believe by faith. It is by faith that God is there, that he's with you and he'll never leave you. You have to be able to operate that way. It's a belief system and God doesn't show us these things in a tangible way but by his word and by being a child of God we know that he is there and we trust that he hadn't forsaken us. We have to develop a faith like the Hebrew boys. They didn't see him or whatever but they know God was able to deliver him but whether he did or not they still trusted in him and they will operate as though God was there and he was protecting them he was in control of the situation. Daniel with the he, Daniel Daniel he didn't see God he didn't abandon God even though they made laws for him not to pray he still prayed and knew God was listening so we have to carry on no matter what we see in their own minds they had reduced God to something that they had to control and call up on when it was convenient. Those who repented were ashamed of what they had done. That's because a lack of faith. We should carry on because we do believe God's word. We have faith and trust in him. Even though Job says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. So we have to operate by faith not making images. We don't need anything to facilitate us believing in God. We don't have to have a birth date for him. We know that he was the only begotten of the Father. We know he was born of a virgin. But we don't need to make a day to worship him 
after, and if it doesn't say in the precept of the regulative principle of worship, and that is that we can't make a devising of things and adding unto God's word a time or a season or whatever. But we worship him in spirit and in truth. We don't need a crucifix to pray to. We don't, we don't need a hair lug around a cross on our back or whatever. We know he died upon a cross for us. The crosses they're making now resembles nothing of the actual cross that he died upon. But images of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross or whatever. We don't need those false images. How can you portray him? And you see him with the nails in the palm and the hand or whatever. Well, that's incorrect. That's the most fragile part of your body right there. The phalange is inside of your hand. That would have torn him apart or whatever. The palm of the hand ran all the way up to here. Those nails was in, in this portion of his arm. That's where the palm ran. And this what he was would have been hanging from. That nail would have hung from. I don't know if any of y'all have killed a hunted animals or whatever. When you're doing those animals, aren't don't those tear away? But if you're skinning a rabbit or corn or something, you have to be up above that pad. And so Jesus Christ was hung there. But we're looking at all types of images and icons, which... That's what I say. It's the age of television and sight and sin. But we have to, as Brother Jackson wanted to say about that song, we wasn't there, but we knew it was the blood for us. That his blood that was shed, we don't see it, but we believe on the apostle's word that he died and was crucified upon the cross and the blood that came streaming down was the blood for us. But to make an image of Jesus, to, to make a, a something to have to be able to facilitate for us to pray to him, to have a rosary bead or whatever. He says pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. I don't need anything. I, I got a hotline to God. I can just cry out, Lord, save me. Some of the shortest prayers it was. You remember uh, this king uh, Jehoshaphat that went in the battle with Ahab and Jehoshaphat turned around and he cried out to the Lord, save him or whatever. The most time, the little short pairs get something accomplished a lot of times. You don't need to get in this mode. You know, you don't need a whole lot of equipment, anything. God had given you what you need and that's a humble heart and soul. The crowd, he see your affliction. He's watching everything that go on. So distractions leads to idolatry. Distractions. And that's what the Laodiceans did. They're distracted by the things of the world. They thought they have everything. And God says that in Exodus. I'm going to go a little bit over because of the stops. It says Deuteronomy 8, chapter 7 through the 19th verse. I won't read all that. But it says, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of waters, of fountains, and depths that spring out of the valley and the hill, a land of wheat and barley and vines and thick trees and pomegranates, a land of oil and olive and honey, and a land when thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in the land whose stones are in the iron. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwell therein, when thy herds and flocks multiply and have air condition and cars and you're protected in a powerful nation and that all of this thing, who had given you that power to get wealth? Don't forget who had given you those homes and those jobs that keeps you secure in life. Unless you forget, you start to serve those things and forget the Lord that God. There's no doubt that prosperity is good. But unless one is sufficiently focused in the right direction and disciplined enough, it can also be a demanding master because of its power to distract one into idolatry. That you start serving these things now that you have this. You got a nice home. You have to have a nice car to go look with that. You have to have nice clothes. You have to have all of these things. You're distracting. You've gotten your eyes off, off the object of faith that is serving Jesus Christ. 
You can send money to the church, but you don't have time to visit church. That means you've gotten too busy. You're forsaking the assembling together of ourselves. You have all of this stuff, and you have people to babysit and keep your children or whatever, but they don't feel your loving embrace. They don't have you there counseling them and seeing their faults and failures and there when they, this is going on and paying attention to them and listening and seeing them grow. You've gotten your eyes away from God, what the family is really about, what God's trying to teach us. You remember, all of these things cause a distraction. You've gotten your eyes on stuff and the material things in the world, and you've forgotten his commandments, statutes, and judgments. So we have to be careful of all of these things becoming graven images and we serving them.